This pretty young lady up here, most of you know, is Janelle Sanderson. Janelle is married to Josh. That is one of the few questionable things she has done in her life. (laughs) Josh is our wonderful youth minister. Josh, raise your hand for anybody who doesn't know you. uh, We're going to take just a moment and let Janelle, uh, I'm going to kind of interview her and let her share some of her story about what God's done in her life recently. And I think you'll be, uh, you'll be impressed and amazed with it. Janelle, you were raised going to church, correct? Yes, I was raised in the Lutheran Church. We uh-huh. were there every Sunday, didn't hardly ever miss. That's, good. That's what preachers like to hear. <laughs> we like to hear that. As a, as a baby, you were sprinkled into the church? I was. Sprinkled in the church. And, and growing up, Janelle, if you, when you were uh, nine years old or you were 15, you believed in Jesus, believed the Bible was... God's book and all that, I correct? did, okay. I did. Pretty good girl, didn't spend much time in prison, children's prison or anything <laughs> no. growing up. No. And, okay. <laughs> you came to Tech, you came to Tech, and when you got to Tech, uh, you made a decision for Jesus. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, growing up in my church, there just wasn't a lot of talk about your relationship that you could have mm-hmm. with Christ. Um, so I would go to church with other friends, and I just knew that there was something missing in my life, but I didn't know what it was. Right. Um, so when I came to Tech, I was kind of seeking out, you know, what that what that was, and um, so I, you know, I got involved, and um, and I made a decision at a large worship service, um, but I just I didn't really tell. I mean, I told people, but I don't know if I really told the right people to like get counseled and mm-hmm. really understand exactly what I was doing. Well, you ended up, you got baptized in this church, didn't yes, you? Yes, I did. Joined this church, and, and then you married Josh right down here. I was a part of that. You married Josh. You cried the whole service. I remember <laughs> that. Did. No, you did. No, no he Josh did. did. That's right. <laughs> Never seen that happen. She was there, cool customer. Josh was crying his eyes out. It was, it was great. It was great. And he had talked so tough all the way up to it, what was, what was funny. So it was quiet. It's on video. We'll YouTube it for you. We'll put it on YouTube for you. Uh, Kate, you're married to a youth minister. You're, you're obviously, you're in church Sunday morning, Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're good friends with the pastor and his wife. You're, uh, you're, you're very involved. Did you feel something was missing, though, Janelle? I did. I had doubts sometimes, and, you know, I'd, I'd pray about them, and they would kind of go away. And I, I think a lot of that was I wasn't willing to fully commit. Right. You know, I was like, okay, God, we can get this straight, but just between me and you. Right. Like, nobody has to know because everybody already thinks that I've got this straight. And so, you know, I don't think that ever got, res- you know, that never got resolved. Right. Um, my quiet times, my prayer time were pretty much non-existent. Right. Um, when people would get saved, I would be excited, mm-hmm. but I had this uneasiness, right. you know, and I never could figure out what that was. Right. That's really interesting, Janelle, because I'm sure there's a lot of people here this morning. You know, we're, we're in the South, and, and a lot of, lot of people in this room have been in church for years, and they've been baptized, sprinkled. Uh, they believe the right things about mm-hmm. Jesus, and like you, are a good moral person, but they're still, it's just like something is not fully connected, right? right? Yeah. Five weeks ago, Sunday, Sunday morning, we began a revival. Uh, God really began to deal with you on Sunday night, didn't he? He did. Um, Sunday night... You know, I came to revival service and went home, and just when I went to bed, I just could not get a piece about if I died, if I was going to go to heaven. You know, I just felt like I would be separated from Josh and Addie, and um, I couldn't sleep. And all day Monday, I just had this knot in my stomach that just 
wouldn't go away, and I was just, I was praying about it, and, um, you know, I just, I really felt like, you know, God and Satan were just, like, battling for my soul, and I just, I knew when I came on Monday night to service, I knew I had to make a decision, like, which way I was going to go, and so I came down um, that night, and I counseled with you, and I still was, you know, a little confused, because I felt like, okay, I've made this decision years ago, and um, just over the next couple of days, just praying and seeking God, he just revealed some sin in my life, and you know, I really felt true conviction for the first time. And um, me and Josh talking, he was like, you know, maybe you got saved. Maybe it was a rededication. But I just figured out, like, I truly got saved mm-hmm. during that. And we baptized you, didn't we? Yeah, Josh baptized me. Yeah. yeah, I got to baptize my wife. That's really a pretty cool thing, guys. Uh, especially if we can hold you under yeah. a little bit, too. But uh <laughs> Janelle, uh, had to be kind of tough, though. I mean, you're, the mini- you're, you're a minister's wife. You're, uh, you know, me included. Everybody thinks Janelle is, is, is right with Christ. That's got to be a pretty tough thing to do. Yeah, it's really hard because, you know, you have these doubts, but then you're thinking, well, what are people going to think, you know, because mm-hmm. you have pride also. Right. And um, so, yeah, that was, it was really hard to make that decision. Janelle, what would you say this morning to the crowd out here about their relationship to Jesus and and being sure that they're right with God? I would just urge you that if you have the tiniest bit of doubt, just seek that out. You know, pray about it. God will, he wants you. You know, he wants um, to win your soul. And talk to your ministers, talk to me, and just don't let pride get in the way. I've been so supported by this church through this decision, and I think that You know, if you talk to everyone that got saved um, during revival, you would hear the same story, that it's just very supporting. And um, and I just think people will surround you. So don't let pride, you know, get in the way of your salvation and where you're going to be, you know, when when you die. Amen. Thank you. Let's give Janelle a hand. I'm going to pray for us one more time. God, thank you so much for Janelle's. Uh, sweet and really good and really clear words, Father. And God, use those this morning as we look into the Bible to challenge all of us to examine ourselves and to, uh, and to check our own hearts out, God, and where we stand with you. And it's in your name that I pray, Jesus. Amen. This morning, we're going to be in the book of Mark in the Bible. If you have your Bibles, Matthew, Mark, it's the second book in the New Testament. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the scriptures on the screen for you. And we're going to do an assessment today. Uh, Well, we're not. Jesus is going to on you and me. He's going to to look at our lives. You know, we're used to assessments athletically, uh, academically, uh, whether we're talented, gifted, or whether we're not talented or gifted. Uh, the doctor assesses us when we go to him. We're, we're used to assessments. Uh, this morning, it's a, it's a little different kind. It's, again, from Jesus Christ. And I would tell you this, it's, it's, uh, it's individual. It's, it's to all of us, but it's, it's to you specific. And it's personal and that Jesus always cuts straight to the core. Jesus goes right to the heart of matters. And it's an assessment that's 110% accurate. In Mark chapter 4... You can read with me, again, in your Bibles or on the screen, starting in verse 1. It says, Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and he sat in it out in the lake while all the people were along the shore on the water's edge. 
He taught them many things by parables, by illustrations. In his teaching, he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they have no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plant, so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on the good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. And in verse 9, Jesus says, He who has ears, let him hear. Now, the, the, the background of this, uh, Jesus is in uh, Galilee, the northern part of Palestine in this time probably around the city of Capernaum. And he's at the Sea of Galilee. It says here the lake. The Sea of Galilee was also called the Lake of Gennesaret. We have a picture of this beautiful sea. And Jesus was uh, around one of these villages. He was out walking and talking and began to teach. And such a big crowd gathered around him. He got in a boat and he sat down and they pushed him out a little bit in the water. The way they used to teach is the teacher sat and the pupil stood. You know what? We're going to try that some Sunday morning. Nobody would sleep if you had to stand for 30 minutes, would you? Wouldn't that be good? And I'd probably fall asleep during my own sermon, which would be terrible. And Jesus is teaching them a, a tremendous spiritual story using an agricultural lesson. This society was agricultural. They certainly understood what he was going to explain to them. The way that they farmed them was much different than the way we do now. They didn't have, of course, tractors, and they didn't plow neat rows like we do. A lot of times they would... They would sow the seed one of two ways. They would put a sack on a donkey's back and cut small holes in it and lead the donkey, and seed would just be scattered along as it went. Or the farmer would carry a big pack with seed in it, and as he walked, he would throw the seed as he went along. Oftentimes, they would sow the seed and then later come back and plow it uh, into the ground. The, the fields there were long, narrow strips of grass, often divided by just walkways or pathways, and it's hard to tell at first glance what maybe was the pathway or what the field. They sowed it everywhere. Again, he's not teaching us a farming lesson. The, the, the farmer here is the preacher, or it's the teacher. It's the one sharing with you the Word of God. The seed is the Bible, the Word of God. And in verse 9, now when Jesus says this, when your coach says this, when your teacher says this, or your parent, but when Jesus says this, it needs to be, you need to pay attention. Jesus is almost like he slapped the side of the boat, and he said, hey, listen to what I'm fixing to say, because I'm going to tell you, four people, four hearts, and everyone out there that day, and everyone in here this morning fits one of these categories. So let's look at what Jesus was teaching. You and I fit one of these four categories. Here's the first thing. Is your heart hard? this morning. Do you have a hard heart? Again, in verse 4, he said, as he scattered the seed, some fell among the path, along the path, and the birds came and they ate it up. Again, they didn't sow the seeds in neat rows like our farmers today. They would, they would sow it and it would go in a lot of different directions. Some would fall on the path and in the path would, these paths would walk, go right through these fields. And after Hundreds of people had walked on these paths for, for years. They were very hard. And the seed would fall on this path, and it would not go into the ground. That's just kind of common sense there. And the birds would come along, and they would pluck it, and they would, they would eat it. 
Now, in verse 13 through 15, he explains this to you and me. Jesus said to him, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable if you don't this? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seeds sown along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown to them. In other words, this is the person that's unteachable. This is the person that, that... is arrogant. This is the person who says, I've been there, I've done that, I've got all the answers. Several years ago, I was talking to Coach Barmore about the subject of being teachable, and Coach said this, and this is exactly right. If a person, if an athlete, or if a student is not teachable, you can't do anything with them. And, and, and your ability and your talent can only carry you so far. You may be great, but you'll never be a superstar if you've got a hard heart. You may be average, but if, if you've got a hard heart, you're never going to be above average. In every area of life, we understand this. If your heart is hard, you're not going to listen to the coach, the teacher, your parent, your pastor. You're not going to listen to God. They, you, listen, you're in trouble today. And God says there's a lot of people out there who have a heart like that, that the Word of God hits it and it just bounces off. I want to give you two people this is this morning. Sometimes it's a Christian who's just shutting God out. Scholars differ on a lot of the things I'm going to say this morning on, on this, but I think that this can be a person who has given their life to Christ, but for some reason, whether it's arrogance, whether they've learned a little bit and they think they know a lot more than they truly do, maybe they become bitter They, uh, for whatever reason, they become unteachable, and they just shut God out. They just shut him out. Maybe it's a particular area. You know, some people, if you start talking about money, boy, you will see them, you know, they're going to freak out. Or you start talking about morals or sexuality, or you start talking about obeying your parents or following your leaders, you're going to see some people will shut you out. I want to ask you this morning, are you a follower of Christ who for whatever reason at this period in your life has got a hard heart. But, but, certainly, but certainly this is also a non-Christian too. And I think primarily, fundamentally, this is what he was talking about. When I say a non-Christian, I mean someone who has never given their life to Christ, that to this point in their life, their heart's hard. They're not going to listen to their parents, their teacher, their preacher, they're not going to listen to a friend who tells them about Jesus Christ. They're, their heart's shut down. They won't hear, and they don't belong to Christ. And let me pause and say this. Whatever your con- heart condition is this morning, here's the wonderful news. It can change in this hour. Isn't that great? You didn't come in here with a fixed heart condition. You can change this morning. But some of us are here today with a heart that the Word of God's been bouncing off of for years. Maybe you're not a Christian. 1997, I remember it was 15 years ago, I guess. We had had a special, like a revival, a few weeks before, and we were baptizing several people. We were baptizing some teenagers that morning. One of them's parent came to church. Father, he had never been to church before. I don't think he ever came again. He was known in this community as being a good moral person, but someone who was really standoffish with God, very hard-hearted with God. And in the sanctuary was a fan shape. So if you're sitting over here, you're sitting over here, you're literally, your body is turned toward me like this. And he was sitting over here, so his body should have been like this towards me. I kid you not, he, he literally 
turned his body away from me and stared at the wall for 25 minutes. You know, eventually I notice those kind of things when, uh, when you're talking to people. And I, I don't know to this day whether he's a Christian or not, but I know this. I know he has a hard heart. And it's a scary thing to think God himself cannot get through to you or get through to me, much less a teacher, a coach, or a parent, if you got it all figured out. And you're not going to have an open and receptive heart to what they have to say. Is your heart hard this morning? Here's a second option that he talks about, and that's a shallow heart. A shallow heart. He mentions the hard heart, and then in verse 5 and 6, he goes to this. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. In this area, this part of the world, uh, you might look at some soil and it looked good, but oftentimes there was limestone or rock about two inches under it. It was not good soil to grow a crop. And he explains this in verse 16 and 17 to you and me. Others like seed sown on the rocky places. They hear the word and at once receive it with joy and enthusiasm. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall away quickly. I remember hearing a story years ago about an an old church that had been leveled. They were going to build a new sanctuary right beside it. So they tore down the old church and had a basement. And they couldn't figure out what to do with the basement, so they just they, they, they did kind of a dumb thing. They filled it in mostly with gravel and rock until they got about that far from the other soil, and then they laid soil down, planted seed. They said every year when spring came, that grass would bloom up right there, and by midsummer it had all died, and there was a rectangular shape right where the basement was because the grass could not take root and it could not grow. You know, it's interesting, he says in the verse 16 and 17, these people fall away when trouble and persecution come. The word trouble literally means to be pressed or squeezed or compressed. And persecution means to be pursued. And listen, in Jesus' day, unlike living in Ruston, Louisiana, in Jesus' day, when you became a Christian, it was going to cost you something. If you were a Jewish person who became a Christian, there's a chance your family might disown you. They might tell you, we don't even know who you are anymore. Get out of the house. We're going to have nothing to do with you ever again. That's tough, isn't it? Can you imagine today if you gave your life to Christ and you went home and told your family and they said, adios amigos, get out of here, goodbye. Also, if you didn't get kicked out by your family, shortly after Jesus' time, they began to kill people for being Christians. So if you were going to follow Jesus Christ, if you were a Jewish person, it might immediately cost you your family. It certainly may cost you the Roman government killing you. And what was happening was a lot of these people were, were saying, yeah, I'm following Jesus I listen to Christian radio. I wear the cross. I have the fish bumper sticker. I'm a fan of Christ until it got a little bit tough, and then they backed out and they pulled off. I wonder if that's any of us this morning. Almost certainly it it is. Let me give you two thoughts on this again. One, it's the Christian who never gets going. I believe this can be a person who genuinely is a Christian, But for whatever reason, they never got established. They never got established in reading their Bible and praying. They never never got developed much. 
And, and any time it kind of gets tough or it, it, the cool factor wears off, they fade away. They're shallow. I remember going to church with a girlfriend. This was years ago. It wasn't a girlfriend since I've been married to Cindy, uh, pre-Cindy. And we, we were at her church on a Sunday evening. And during the service, after the end of the service, a man came up after God finished preaching. And he talked for a little bit. He was a guy probably in his 50s. And he, and he cried. And, and I, I wasn't used to grown men crying. He cried. And he was, what he said was real good. And it was emotional. It was moving. And I looked at uh, the girl I was with. And she was just kind of sitting there like she had eaten spinach or something. And uh, we got out of church. And I said, man, that was great, wasn't it? And she said, no, it wasn't. So I am sitting with the devil. What's your problem? She said, he does this every year. I said, every year. She said, he'll get, something will happen. He'll get fired up for Jesus. He'll cry. He'll come stand in the church. He'll be at church for the next four weeks, man, praising God, and then you won't see him again for six months. Shallow. wonder if that's you or me this morning. But see, here's another possibility of this. This is the non-Christian, too. In every one of these, some scholars believe, except the last one, it represents a person who does not know Jesus Christ. I think when we look at Janelle's story, this is probably what Janelle would say was, was her. It, it oftentimes is someone who hears the word, who has a, 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 a real emotional response and maybe even wants to respond properly to Christ, but they don't get good counseling or good, good follow-up, and they're not sure what they do, and they never really seal the deal with Jesus Christ. You see, we often wonder if, if you've grown up in church and you have a revival, you have a youth camp, and people are so fired up for Jesus, and then six months later you never see them again. You wonder, that's shallow, that's shallow. Were they saved, or did they never really get going as a Christian? Everybody in here, a lot of you are young, but y'all know who John Lennon is, don't you? John Lennon, the Beatle John Lennon? Okay. Well, that gives it away right there. That's not like the football player John Lennon. That's uh, <laughs> the, the Beatle. John Lennon, two of his biographers say some very interesting things about him. But both of them say this. In 1977, John Lennon professed to becoming a Christian. How many of you ever heard that before? John Lennon began to watch Billy Graham on TV, and he began to watch Christian shows on television. And, uh, and, and here's what John Lennon said. They said that John Lennon gave his life to Jesus Christ. And those that knew him and that were around him said for a brief period of time he was a changed person. But here was the catch. He was married to Yoko Ono. Guys, if you marry a woman named Yoko, you may go loco, okay? And that's kind of what happened to John. They accused Yoko of breaking up the Beatles to begin with. I don't know if that's true or not. I was never in those meetings, but that's what they say. Yoko Ono's first husband became a Christian, and she did not like what it did to him. And so they said she was a very controlling person. And when John professed he was a Christian, she began to put her her thumb down on him immediately. And after a few months, he just backed off of it. He was murdered three years later. And they said basically the next two years or so, he dabbled in new age and all kinds of stuff and a little bit of Christianity. Was John Lennon in heaven today? I sure hope so. I hope it was a sincere, even though a shallow decision. But more importantly, I want to ask you this morning, how is your heart today? How's it been in the past? Is it, 
Has it been maybe a sincere but shallow response to Christ that was real but it's never taken off? Or maybe it was shallow and it was never real. That's a real possibility. Here's the third thing God said. Listen, this one I guarantee you fits a bunch of us. A crowded heart. A crowded heart. Jesus says in verse 8, Still other seed, excuse me, verse 7, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so they did not bear grain. My father was a college administrator who wanted to be a farmer. And so growing up, we had gigantic gardens, and we had cows, and we had chickens, and, and I grew to hate gardens. I love what gardens, you know, when you go to McDonald's and you eat it, uh, uh, pickles and tomatoes on your hamburger. I love that side of the garden, but I hated the work in the garden. But I know this. I know that if you've got a good crop and you've got too many thorns or too many weeds in there, what it does is it chokes out the good crop. It, it, it keeps it from getting the sunlight it needs and the water it needs and the nutrition, and it'll choke it out, and, and it'll eventually kill it. In verse 18 and 19, listen to these words. Still others like seed sown among the thorns. They hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. My goodness, that was 2,000 years ago. Doesn't that sound like this morning? Man, oh man, oh man, doesn't it? 2,000 years ago, he said, hey, a lot of people are hearing the word, but here's what's happened. They're chasing money. They're chasing their careers. They're chasing their tails. They're chasing uh, running around in circles. They're putting good things, great things like family and all this over God, and they're missing him. And how, man, can we relate to this today? Because I know, I know because I'm one of you. Man, we've got bills to pay. We've got health problems. We have family problems. And it's easy for that to get in there and to begin to choke out God's work in your life. Some of us, it's money. You're going to chase money thinking if you just get more of that, that's all you need and you're going to be happy. I saw a billionaire interviewed on TV and they asked this billion, not millionaire, billionaire, how much money do you need to be happy? What, what's going to satisfy you? And he smiled and he said, a little bit more. How much is enough when you got a billion dollars? A billionaire said, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. You notice he mentioned some good things in here, the desire, the desire of other things. What is he talking about here? Well, that word desire can be used good or bad. Here it's used in a bad sense and, and talking about good things in a bad way. In other words, he's saying you're desiring some things that are good and that are right. You're just putting them above God. You're giving First-rate loyalty to second-rate things. Do you know, did you know your family and people ought to be the second most important thing? But that's the key, the second most important thing. Did you know your education, your jobs, those things ought to be super important to you. But they shouldn't be more important than God. But they absolutely were 2,000 years ago. I think that's so funny. And they certainly are today. Who is this person? Again, I think it's two people. One, it's the Christian who's letting the world derail him. And I use the word world there to mean the things that are contrary to God or the things that should be secondary to God. 
Many of you are Christians today, but you've stalled out with God. You're chasing George Washington more than you are Jesus Christ. Money, money, money over Jesus Christ. We have so many irons in the fire that our love for Christ is growing cold. You know that's true. And the Bible says, literally, it's choking or strangling what God wants to do in our life. Isn't that an interesting verbiage there? Back many years ago, before I was married, our daughter, Alicia, Alicia, raise your hand. Alicia, uh, <laughs> Alicia was, uh, was young, and we'd gone to the grocery store. And we were buying groceries for Cindy's house and for my house. And, and Alicia wanted some vitamins that day. And she wanted the dinosaur chewable vitamins. Have y'all ever had those before? Josh has one every morning in the office. Uh, these are, y'all know what they are, don't you? The chewable dinosaur vitamins, y'all, you just don't want to admit it. But, I mean, they're, they're huge. You know, like a, uh, you know, there's a cow and a dino, you know, they're, they're, they're big. So we bought Alicia these chewable vitamins. Alicia forgot one key ingredient of the chewable vitamin, the chewable part. So we're fixing to have supper, and she swallows a dinosaur vitamin. And after she turned about four shades of purple, we realized there was a problem. And, you know, Cindy's asking her, are you choking? Are you choking? (laughs) So I get up and I do the Heimlich maneuver on her. And I do about three or four compressions. And that dinosaur shot out of her mouth out of an open window and hit a squirrel and killed it a half a mile away. I mean, (laughs) I exaggerate that a little bit. But the truth is... You know, that was, it, it's, it's strange. That was killing her. And it had to be removed. You know, I, I imagine God would like to reach down this morning and put his loving arms around many of us and do some compressions and free us up a lot of the things that are choking out the word in our life. But here's a scary thing. This may be a non-Christian too. Again, a lot of scholars believe that that all three of these first ones are people who've never really given their life to Christ. In Matthew 10, 22, there's a scary verse that says, All men will hate you because of me. That's not nice. But this last part, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Now, you're not saved by good works or by your endurance. You're saved by faith in Christ. But that very well may be saying that the people who continue to live it and produce the good fruit are the ones that truly know Jesus Christ. That it's possible that the shallow, that the hard, and the crowded don't even know Christ. I would ask you this morning, how is the soil of your heart today? And let me give you the last and wonderful option. Is your heart right? Is the soil in your heart good today? Thank goodness he gives us this option in verse 8. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. In Galilee, the soil had been enriched by volcano explosions through the years, volcano ash. And they said that this soil was good and that it could produce a crop of 10 to 1. And here Jesus said, I'm talking about a crop that's 30, 50, and even 100 times better. Who is he talking about here? Look in verse 20. 
Others like good seed sown on good soil. Hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. See, here's what Jesus is saying. There's four options, and you've got a choice. Your heart can be hard. Your heart can be shallow. Your heart can be too crowded. Or your heart can be open. Your heart can be open. It can receive Jesus Christ, and it can continue to allow God to work in your heart. And God says, here's how you know if you're a Christian, and if you're a Christian who is living as they should, you produce fruit. What is fruit? Fruit is evidence that God is in you and he's coming out of you. When I was little, we would go squirrel hunting. My daddy and I would. He grew up in Arkansas. He could name every tree. We'd walk through the woods and he was trying to teach me to identify trees. He'd say, what's that tree? I'd say, a big tree, daddy. What's that tree? And I'd say, that's a black tree, Daddy. What's that tree? Finally, we'd get to a pine tree, and I'd say, that's a pine tree. I, to this very day, I can't identify a tree. But if I go by the peach orchard and there's peaches hanging off of it, you know what? I get it right every time. I see a tree that's got apples hanging off of it every time I can get it. And here's what, here's what God's saying. Man, get a hold of this. God's saying if you truly are His child and you're his child living for him like you should, God is in you and God comes out of you. You please God and you please man. You are not a religious uh, weirdo. You're not an immoral person. You're not an unfaithful person. You are a human who struggles, but you are a person who God is in and God comes out of. I want to ask you today, is that you and me? In the past, has your heart been such that God could come in it? Is it such this morning, young people and older people, that God's coming out of your life? Jesus said, he who has ears needs to hear what I'm saying because your eternal destiny is at stake on this. I told you when we began, it's personal, it's about you, it's individual. And it's 100% accurate. What's your heart condition this morning? Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian and you know you're a Christian, I would just challenge you and encourage you. uh, How is your heart today? And what will you do to get your heart to where it needs to be this morning? Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian or you're unsure. You know, the great news is this very day, if you're willing to open your heart, you can, you can belong to God. I want to challenge you to pray with me right where you're seated. Just pray and say, Jesus, I want to turn from my sins. I believe you're God's son, that you died for me that you arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart. I ask you today, Jesus, to save me. Let me have your attention just for a second. We're going to stand in a moment and I'm going to challenge you to respond to Christ. You're a Christian today. Maybe, Maybe it'll be right where you're standing that you make a decision. 
maybe you need to come and pray at the altar or pray with the minister and you need to say whatever condition your heart is in with the help of God you're going to keep it open you're going to be good soil it's your choice maybe you'd like to join our church today one way you can do that is, is by easing out come down the aisle we'll help you join this morning we would love for you to or maybe this morning you just ask Christ in your heart with me Are you ready to do that? Listen, when you open your heart to Christ sincerely, He'll never turn you away. We'll be waiting down here to counsel you, to talk to you, to help you. Let's stand. You slip out and respond to God as He's leading you to this morning.